Herb Albert, the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio has been, in fact, a guest, a treasured guest on Fangraphs Audio before. He is a British illustrator living in Mexico City and one who possesses no small amount of affection for America's pastime. His name is Craig Robinson. The flimsy pretense upon which I've invited Craig to join this edition of the podcast is a discussion of uh, what has been called, and what um, at least I will continue to call for for this episode, uh, post-fandom. That is uh, more or less one's capacity to enjoy baseball in ways that do not necessarily include a specific team allegiance. As I say, though, that is the flimsy pretense upon which I've based this call. However, Craig, uh, being an interesting person, has the capacity to make this episode much more than that. And what follows, we discussed his Mexican baseball fandom, the peculiarities of working from home, and the most frightening of prospects, that is the British teenager. All those things and a lot more than those things are addressed in this edition of Fangraphs Audio with Craig Robinson right now. And I actually don't mind because it's really the one thing that I do during the course of a week that makes me feel like I have a job. Right. Because um, yeah. otherwise it, it just seems like pretend all of the time. I know exactly what you mean. This is <laughs> literally the first time I've spoken out loud today. <laughs> <laughs> that happens, doesn't it? When you work. It I mean, yeah. And the, the, so sometimes when, when this sort of thing happens, you, you find you're, your voice cracks. <laughs> you just go and say hello to somebody. No, wait a second. You, um, I was just thinking about this. Um, we've talked, we've talked a little bit uh, about how you got uh, to Mexico, which is, which is where you are right now. Correct. Um, yeah, and I will say this is the second uh, podcast I've recorded today, and neither of them have been in North America. I talked with uh, earlier today. I talked with Mark Hewlett, who lives in London, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. I've never been there. I hear it's very nice. Yeah, well, uh, and Mark's very nice. So uh, I can only imagine, based on that single data point, that everyone there is nice. That's my, it's the only conclusion. It's the best way to go through life, I think. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I do it. But we, so what, I sort of know how you ended up there. Uh, but you, I think you work mostly freelance. Like you don't have an office there, right? Like, like you don't work for a place that has an office there. No, I work in my apartment. Yeah, and you design things. I do. Yeah. Yeah, and illustrate things mostly. Right, Illi- right, illustrate. In fact, that's what that's the thing I should say. But you know, is it uh, is it uh, you work in a freelance capacity? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. Various companies. And is there anything specifically keeping you in Mexico City, or anything you're allowed to divulge? Not really. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, it's uh, something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Whether to, uh, I've been contemplating moving back to the UK. Um, okay. Yeah. But that that will be a decision that, uh, uh, as stupid as it may sound, um, baseball's existence plays existence plays a big role in that decision. Whether I want to be a nocturnal creature again, uh, which right. I would be if I was Isn't in Europe. Yeah, it's very hard to watch um, to watch baseball games from there sometimes. Yeah, and you know, uh, even though the majority of my baseball enjoyment comes from 
uh, you know, watching MLB TV and going to live games, um, uh, a significant amount of it does come from the internet interaction, you know, the Twitter and reading uh, blog posts and stuff like that, and you, you, you feel like a part of it at the time, whereas if I was living back in Europe, um, everything would be delayed by 12 hours or so, you know, like if I was re-watching games the next morning rather than staying up till 5 o'clock in the morning. It's um, You might have something smart to say about this then, but uh, for me I found that while I, uh, it's possible to do that certainly, and, and it's possible to derive some enjoyment uh, from a game that you watch the next day, uh, knowing as a fact that the conclusion has come and knowing that you're not really participating in it at the same time as everyone else um, necessarily, I think, sort of takes some of the pleasure out of it. Absolutely, yeah. I found they, uh, you know, some of the, the the greater moments of the um, the playoffs the last couple of seasons have, have been, you know, watching the games with Twitter flying through, you know, the whole time. You know, people have got stuff to say, and there's very funny people and interesting people saying things, and that uh, that makes my enjoyment of watching those games uh, so much greater. Now, uh, you do live in Mexico City, and did you have um, comrades there then? Is that a thing? Because, I mean, you mentioned, for example, uh, that this was the first time you've spoken aloud all day, and uh, we should note for the benefit of the listener, it is uh, currently 425 Eastern. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Now, are you in Eastern time, or is that Central there? Uh, Central. Central, okay, right. So it's 325. Um, We're on Mexico time. They don't have many hands here. No, I guess, right, uh, right. I should say that 325, only slightly more acceptable. Uh, But do you have, uh, I mean, do you have, do you interact with humans? I have, uh, I have some friends, yeah. Um, Not many who share an interest in baseball. Uh, Only a couple of people I know care about baseball and they don't go to games as frequently as I do, um, but uh, mostly I think that's because I'm single. So, <laughs> yeah, well, there's uh, yes, that has a role in it. Um, although, won't be much longer with that haircut. Uh, at least, if it looks anything like it did uh, in your, it does in your Twitter avatar. I mean, just fantastic. Uh, thank you very much. That yeah. was, uh, that's, uh, I've had my haircut since then, and it's nowhere near as delightful. Yeah, it was. It had a great um, sort of like uh, early. 90s, late 80s, Christian Slater feel to it. Um, That's fine by me. Yeah, right. Um, uh, now, um, and I asked, now, are you friends with there? Are you friends with expats or natives? Uh, mostly natives. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Cause, yeah, pretty uh, much solely natives, actually. Yeah, indeed. So my wife wants, uh, she's mentioned that maybe we should spend a year in France together. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the challenges, of course, is I speak French poorly, if at all, um, and that makes me nervous. Because, uh, but of course, but I don't think that your Spanish is fantastic. Maybe, maybe serviceable, though. I believe the French are less forgiving of these things than many other countries, though. Yeah, well, they're, they're spiteful. spiteful. Yeah, they're spiteful. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, don't, worry. Yeah. don't worry. They're not listening. It's fine. You can say anything <laughs> you want about them. Um, I see they got beaten uh, by Spain yesterday in the qualifier. In the uh, World uh, Baseball Classic qualifier. Oh, right. That's happening. Yeah. yeah. Great Britain lost yesterday to uh, Canada. Um, they lost by the mercy rule. 
<laughs> oh my, not usually employed. Frequently un- not employed. Yeah, they were 10 runs behind in the seventh inning, so the game was uh, stopped. Who's really at the core of that of that British baseball team? Who's really... Um, uh, there, there seems to be a bunch of people who happen to have British mothers or were born to American parents living in Britain and anyone who has seen Downton Abbey. Yeah. This is just another, that's a third category. Yes. Right. But I w- uh, it strikes me that the very best players, um, certainly if they were in the major leagues, would not be playing right now because uh, unlike, well, I guess it happens in England anyway, or in, in Europe, that there are the breaks expressly for international play. Uh, such a thing does not exist in the major leagues. So uh, even if those teams were going to have major leaguers on them, because there are, quite, there are obviously a great uh, number of good Canadians in the major yeah, leagues. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But they uh, weren't on the, I assume they weren't playing. No, they weren't. No, it was uh, a bunch of minor leaguers. I believe the starting pitcher was a Blue Jays AAA guy okay. for Canada history. Right. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's still a less cozy relationship. I mean, in, in, in soccer, there's some, uh, maybe tension, right, between national teams and club teams, but not to the same degree I assume there would be in baseball. Yeah, that's true. I, um, I tend to sympathize with the clubs on this because, uh, I don't really have a massive interest in the English national team. Um, so when the internationals come around, uh, all I'm hoping for is Liverpool players not getting injured. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm sure, the same for all the major league clubs when the World Baseball Classic comes around. Right, yeah. It sounds like uh, your lack of interest. Um, I don't know what, what your reasons are for not caring for the English national team, but I would suggest that self-preservation would be an acceptable one. Um, I, 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 used to, I used to care, um, but... The, just the, there's so many talented players, and they play so boringly when they, when they play together in an England shirt that uh, it just becomes frustrating to watch. And I've you know like every time you know it's like every time I fall for it, and every time I'm disappointed. And the last couple of tournaments, I've not really cared as much. So. Now, free of it. What are the things we're going to talk about? Um... And actually, perhaps your interest in England um, ties into to some degree to the English national team. Is uh, uh, it concerns the word post fandom? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, I, I want to get to that momentarily to understand sort of what what it is to uh, to, to what degree I guess team allegiance does or does not inform uh, one's appreciation of the game. Um, and, and another thing that might tie into that and that I'm interested in because you've already invoked it is. Uh, um, going to see games in Mexico, and, and in particular, I think it's Diablos Rojos. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So tell. I know. That, I mean, I I get kind of excited every time you tweet out, because um, I think you do this with, um, sometimes, is to tweet out images from the stadium. Yeah, sometimes, and uh, from their abysmal Facebook page as well. Right, and um, that's exciting for me because it's sort of like uh, it's sort of the same excitement I would get when I would watch, uh, especially Italian league games. Um, it's sort of like a weird form of tourism, sporting tourism, virtual mm-hmm. tourism, because I get to pretend that I'm in Mexico City for a moment and get to um, enjoy it that way. But um, what what is that? Uh, what has that experience been like for me? How, how long have you been going to those games? Um, ever since I arrived, I mean, I arrived about two years ago, um, and 
So the 2011 season was my first season following it. Um, so two seasons worth now. Um, it's, it's different in a, a lot of noticeable ways to begin with. Firstly, the price is, you know, minuscule, like five US dollars will get you a seat right behind home plate. Um, and the beer is regular price, you know, like the sort of price you'd pay in a normal pub. Um, and there's more of a soccer kind of environment um, in that there's lots of singing and chanting and banging of drums um, than you get in the Major League Baseball. Uh, obviously, the quality of the game isn't as high, but, you know, that can lead to enjoy- enjoyable games with, like, 50 hits and stuff. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah, Edward O, yeah, and I'm... Uh um, right, so minor, you know, some minor league ball uh, in the in the states is, uh, you know, there's obviously the, I mean, by definition, the quality is not as good, um, but it does offer, I think, some of those pleasures that you suggest, and those are all nice. The, um, I guess, I don't know if it's because I'm a silly American or because it's uh, objectively more entertaining, but the soccer-like atmosphere does appeal to me. Yeah, sometimes it can be incredibly. Uh dull in Mexico City because there's uh, uh, baseball is way down on the list of popular live sports events you know it's three top league um, soccer teams here so most people care about that and there's Lucha Libre and which a lot of people do seem to like um, that's wrestling yeah correct like a specific uh, sort of wrestling yes the masks and uh, yeah. and sometimes midgets um, but you go to other cities like I've been to a couple of other places Puebla which is about an hour and a half away from here and in Oaxaca where baseball is a lot more popular um, and you know the stadiums there seem to be have fairly decently attended and part of that is because the Diablos Rojos play in a, um, a stadium that is holds about 30,000 people but there's rarely more than three or four thousand there so atmosphere tends to be a bit oh, what's the word uh, well just sort of a deflated feeling perhaps yeah deflated that would do yeah I'm a wordsmith so that's kind of my job uh, yeah no, just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it no uh, but it seems like something that a, a person could enjoy uh, anyway so you well, you just go you, you sit there watch the game and you have a good time yeah um, just trundle along and uh, buy a ticket within five minutes of the start of the game, sit down, have a chat with the beer guy, Cuban guy with four fingers on one hand, one of which apparently was shot off. Yeah, the one that's uh, missing, one assumes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, all the vendors call me Guero, like because I um, obviously have paler skin than most people in the stadium and fairer hair. And what's the uh, word, sorry? Guero, like blondie. Oh, right. Um, oh, so you're uh, known, so you're... Uh, yeah, essentially, I think it's just like, oh, there's that English guy yeah. sitting on his own drinking beer again. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, so long as uh, baseball reference isn't lying to me, it appears as though uh, this season uh, you've been able to enjoy the likes of... Uh, Eliezer Alfonso. 
Correct. Uh, Alex Cintron. Yeah, he he wasn't around very long. Um, he came in mid-season and didn't stay around very long. I'm not sure why. And uh, Winston Abreu, who um, uh, has a number of excellent minor league seasons to his name. Yeah, he he, um, he sort of alternated between uh, spectacular and spectacular. Right. Um, uh, yeah, sometimes he was just great, but... Uh, my favorite player, though, is Leonardo Eras, who is now in the Orioles system. Um, uh, yeah, tell us about him. This is yeah. Tell me more. He was the center fielder. Um, he's only like twenty-two or twenty-three, um, hitting like three forty or something this season, and um, very fast compared to most Mexican league players. I mean, I mean, I I don't know how fast that would be in reality, but you know, because there's a lot of over 30s players in the Mexican League. Um, so maybe he just looks fast. Um, but it's, it's kind of nice when you uh, when you see, like last season when they had the, um, when players sort of got called up to the minor league rosters of major league teams once the Mexican League season was over, there is that sort of feeling of, uh, you know, fly away, little bird, <laughs> enjoy your life. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, it's good to see that he's uh, having a chance. Yeah, in fact, uh, um, I, I, I've uh, surreptitiously Googled him, um, and he appears uh, to have hit a number of home runs this year, 24 home runs, in fact. Yeah, uh, a lot more power this season than last season. Um, uh, and um, he, he seemed to have a knack of sort of um, when, when games needed it. I'm trying to not use the words... Um, Clutch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, when games needed it, he uh, he was often there. You know. Yeah. Like, um, so you're just going to imply clutch? Is that that's? I am going to imply it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's often. a big your big strategy today. <laughs> this is fangraphs after all. Yeah. Um, do you have a sense of? And this will probably be part of this kind of question of fandom. But do you have a sense? Do you think? Because uh, um, of the nature of. Of the team and maybe the the league, you know, the team relative to to some of the other sports uh, in the area, and then, and then it, you know, with a player like Eris, uh, like a sense of ownership that you might not be able to derive from, you know, a bigger level, a, a, um, a bigger stadium, but you you sense that you're more sort of intimately uh, a part a, a part of this than than you might be elsewise. Uh, yeah, I think I've got more joy out of his. Playing well than uh, any Yankee player playing well, because you know, um, especially just you know because he's so young as well. And I'm sure I'm sure um, Angels fans probably get the same feeling about Mike Trout, and Nationals fans get the same feeling about Bryce Harper. It, when when you're there to see a young player blossom, it's uh, it's a, a very enjoyable thing to watch. Right, because there's a sort of sense there's this blossoming, but at a certain point, and, and this was probably already the case with Trout, for example, at a certain point, uh, doesn't the player doesn't belong to the to the team anymore, you know, uh, or to you as a, as a as a fan of that team, it kind of belongs to the to the league or to all, to a, a national audience. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, um, my first season following baseball was also Robinson Cano's first season. 
Um, so I, in a certain way, I have that with him. You know, like I just, uh, I've enjoyed him right from the start of his career. And, uh, yeah, it is. He's uh, acutely uh, aware of it, we can imagine. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Well, we sort of share a name, so he's obviously aware. Which, which name? Robinson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Craig. Oh, it's really a Craig Robinson Cano. Right. Yeah. If you were to sire um, a son and then name him, uh, well, I don't know, Robinson, I guess? Yeah, it would be called Robinson Robinson. Robinson Robinson. Yeah, that would be strange too. Uh, well, don't do that, perhaps. There's a Manchester United player, um, a thoroughly hideous person called uh, Gary Neville, and his father is called <laughs> ne- Neville Neville. <laughs> what, what is your objection to, to Gary Neville? Did he do something uh, horrible? He's, yeah, he's, he's vocally um, hates the team that I support, so, you know, it is reciprocated. Oh, right, no, I see. Yeah, that's, well, that's a good sort of hatred, I guess. Oh, my. Oh. Carlos. It's Mexico City people. Yeah, Carlos is very popular here. I've never yeah. been in a city where they're as popular. The, um,. So, so you emailed me. Sorry, uh, you emailed me uh, <laughs> recently uh, to suggest that um, maybe you'd been having some. Um, so, I guess sort of some further developments uh, along the line of um, because you, as a as a British person who's enjoying baseball um, and also happens to live in Mexico, you sort of represent. An interesting case study, uh, so far as fandom is concerned, and which is a topic that um, I know I care about. I hope at least one listener does. Um, but maybe uh, there's a, uh, an evolution in, in in the way that you're approaching the game. Yeah, I think it's because um, I think everything that has happened to me, sort of career-wise, and as a, just a regular fan of baseball, um, is all tied to the fact that I came to the sport. Uh, in later in life, um, and it also means that I've not grown up uh, fully entrenched as uh, a fan of one team. The way I, you know, I picked a team, um, but since the age of seven years old, I've been a Liverpool fan. So that is something that has just gone through my every stage of my life. Whereas being a Yankees fan has not. It's just something that I've adopted um, almost as sort of uh, just um, a rooting interest to sort of help my early days of baseball enjoyment go along. You know, you pick one team, you get to know one team's players. Right, and I think that uh, that was because <clears throat> perhaps that was uh, at least the first or among the first games you attended. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, the very first one was right. the Yankees game. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, um, it would make sense that that would, that would happen. Correct. Uh, uh, well, yeah. Um, and while I still um, very much enjoy and uh, worked up isn't the right word, um, I'm involved in the games. You know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed the sweep of Toronto um, greatly. Um, but I'm... I'm I'm just, I'm finding that the, the, the forthcoming playoffs are just, uh, it's a moment, it's, it's almost like 
I don't want them to happen. I'd rather the season just ended in two weeks, you know, like, um, and then we don't have to be forced through this sort of manufactured excitement. I guess it would be hard for you to know, but to what degree do you think that any distaste you have for the playoffs is informed by the fact that, uh, as you know, the, the sport that you began following, soccer, uh, in well, at least um, not it's the, your, the version that exists most places, uh, doesn't have a playoff at all. I mean, it has no playoffs. Yeah, I think that is a very big part of it. You know, you, I have grown up used to, you know, the best team over the course of uh, a 42 or 38 game season is the champion. Um, uh, it just seems the right thing to do. I mean, I, I'm fully aware that professional sports uh, would not exist were it not for viewers and a championship game at the end of that increases viewers and I, you know, I'm no way naive about that. But on a, a purity level, uh, the playoffs seem increasingly meaningless to me. Increasingly to, to increasingly to you, they, they themselves yeah. are not, yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, there's this tiny percentage of people, even though we feel it's a lot of people because we surround ourselves with these people on Twitter and the things we read on the internet. Um, you know, like most of us know that the Cardinals weren't the best team last season. Um, but again, we're such a small percentage of the people who watch baseball and to, to, to most other people. Um, I don't, not, not, not denigrating their fandom at all because, you know, I think in a way, uh, our, our watching of baseball is probably slightly unhealthy. <laughs> but to, to follow it every single day and follow the, the, the minutest details, um, seems somewhat ridiculous in a way. But at, at the same time, it just, that's also the thing I like about it, the everydayness of it, the, you know, the fact that you don't have to, uh, psych yourself up because the game's starting in half an hour. Mm. Right. Uh, you know, the way, um, people do for soccer games and I assume for NFL games as well. Yeah, the, uh, the barrier of entry is, uh, is very low. Um, I mean, you can accidentally start watching or listening to a game um, just by turning on your television or radio, right? Whereas typically with football, uh, in the States, football is happening, um, well, of course, it's more spread out now than you know, it has been in previous years. But typically, it's Sundays, you know, it's Sundays afternoon. Is yeah. basically, that's when you're watching the game. Um, and then, of course, there's more of a, a, of a isolated game on Monday night. Now, recently, there's been the Thursday games. But with, with baseball... I mean, for example, there was an afternoon game today. It's perhaps still going on. Um, and there will be games. There will be like 14 games tonight. Uh, you know, yesterday there were games starting at noon. This uh, Thursday, they were, uh, we're recording this on a Friday. And, uh, there were games starting at like noon. So basically you could have just – you could have accidentally come across it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, um, I guess also the, the, the work that I do, that I work at home, allows me to – uh, indulge this as well, you know, like those, those afternoon games are, are fantastic when I look at the schedule and they all start at 7pm, I'm a little bit disheartened because, you know, I can't just watch two teams that I don't really care about playing some baseball and I'll enjoy it 
if not as much as watching a Yankee game, but nearly as much. Right, and the other thing is, like, you don't. I mean, it's all it's all a question uh, of, I guess, what is better than uh, this than the status quo. Uh, I mean, having a game on in the background is, I would assume, in most cases, preferable to not having one on. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Um, and in that case, it sort of serves as a uh, as sort of uh, like the best possible white noise in one's, uh, you know. Um, Unless one one is watching a White Sox. Podcast. Right. In in that case, you have to you have to, to gird your loins uh, a little bit and uh, prepare for prepare for that. But right, generally speaking, it's the case that uh, it's the case that it needn't play uh, it needn't play it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily ask that much of you. And perhaps I'm, I you know and I, I think that for me because I don't know I also don't care for the playoffs and for some of the same reasons you're mentioning. Um, because they do ask so much of you, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they, they, there's those for, uh, forced off days, which you know, sort of uh, just allow the kettle to boil. Whereas, you know, I'm happy to see the the water simmer for right. six months. You know? And it also, and it also, I think, encourages uh, the commentators and. Um, this happens also in terms of uh, end-of-season award debates. We could talk about that momentarily. But mm-hmm. it, uh, they are naturally uh, compelled by the gravity of the situation, the sort of unexpected gravity of the situation, you know, unexpected because baseball usually doesn't – it usually isn't important. Uh, it, it forces them to wax, uh, wax poetic, um, wax uh, – Important, I guess. <laughs> yeah. a, was that a sentence? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I almost put it in Dory. In post, uh, in editing, I will make it beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually just going to be a clip from uh, T.S. Eliot reading Proof Rock. Uh, that's my plan. Actually, it's my plan for most of this, what's happening. But, um, right. And then, and this is something that's happened, or, or a relative of that ha- is happening right now during the, uh, especially the debate over AL MVP. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, on the one hand, you have people suggesting that uh, Mike Trout should win um, for uh, you know any number of reasons. I mean, you could say if you you know he his his wins above replacement. He has like you know he's like got three more wins or something than than Cabrera does, um, yeah. which I think basically in every other year has been enough to win. Um, um, but of course, Miguel Cabrera might be winning the Triple Crown, and um, this is exciting for people. Yes, uh, so it seems. Um, but the arguments, um, I would say, especially for the pro Cabrera crowd, it reminds me of um, not only when I when I was planning my wedding, but um, when people I know were planning their wedding, right? Um, other people I know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a situation where you could have people, uh, generally relatives, fam- family members, who in uh, almost every other situation are entirely reasonable. But when it comes to the planning of the wedding, um, for some reason these uh, convictions arise out of them uh, and um, quite unexpectedly to the point where there all of a sudden is a great deal of uh, tension because people feel very strongly, I guess, about this thing that <laughs> – 
Um, and it's, to me, it's the same. What's that? Is it, uh, flatulence? There's a flatulent. If only it were. Yeah. The. <laughs> The uh, right, but people. I'm sure I could get a job on Mexican television if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> the um, <laughs> the um, the the right. This instance, so where people begin to have the these convey. Everyone has a has an opinion, a strong opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I also, for better or worse, don't care for strong opinions. I don't know. I don't know if that's good, good or bad. But I don't care for them because they always seem, um. They always seem either fabricated for the sake of trying to draw attention. You might state a broad, a very strong opinion uh, publicly, like on Twitter, for example, in order to, um, gener- you know, to gain attention for yourself. Or they seem yeah. like they're based on something that is so um, transparently having to do um, w- with a person's insecurities mm. and their need to. Take a strong stand on this or that. Um, then really, they just reveal the weakness of the human spirit. So in either case, I'm not. It's unpleasant to me. I can understand that. Yeah, I don't, that wasn't a question, but can no. you? How about you yeah, answer I, it like it was one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Carson, I agree. <laughs> uh, well, do you have uh, do you have strong opinions about something like the AL MVP? Not really. Um, yeah, it seems obvious that Mike Trout has been the best player in the American League to me, um, and he's been incredibly enjoyable to watch. I haven't watched as many Tigers games as I've watched Mike Trout uh, moments. So, uh, yeah, awards, I don't care. Yeah, I really don't care about who wins those things at all. Right. So, what yeah. what is your um when you are enjoying the game the most, in what fashion is it typically? Um, the most enjoyment I get is when I'm actually at uh, a Diablos Rojos game. Um, hey, I've been to plenty of... Uh, well, I've been to enough uh, major league games. Um, and perhaps, the, you know, it's the, 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 the price of entry is also... Is, uh, is higher, so thus you want your money's worth. But I never feel that I that I should be getting my money's worth at a Diablos Rojos game because it's so cheap. Um, and you know, you know, uh, I can sit where I want, and I can just sort of turn off my brain for three hours and just see this sort of very just attractive alignment of people on a field doing something that's. Very simple. It looks very simple. You know, it's obviously a difficult sport to play. Um, and just to see, you know, a ground ball hit third and the third baseman just throw it way harder than I could ever do. Um, I, just, I just find those, those most ordinary of moments to be incredibly enjoyable to watch. Yeah. You know, it, it, it seems to me like, you know, when you watch uh, when when we see those those TV programs that show you how things are made, and there's all the machines in the factories, and they just do just do the same things over and over and over and over again, and then you know they push out the cookies or you know the balloons. Um, 
I find that enjoyable to watch. And baseball sort of like hits that part of my brain as well, I think. A, uh, a sort of, uh, I, I guess, a, a pleasure derived from from repetition? Or a, yeah. Or, yeah. Like, it's a ritual quality to it, I guess. Yeah. And... and the, the, there's also enjoyment in the, the the punctuation of the ritual as well, with you know, like a strikeout or a home run or a spectacular catch of some sort. They are heightened by the ritual. There's of, probably musical notation that would make sense. Apogee, is that a thing? Crescendo? No are you looking at crescendos? <laughs> crescendi? Maybe crescendi. <laughs> uh, you know, I often thought I th- I would say to uh, when I was. Uh, I would think to myself, what's a perfect day? Uh, because uh, if I may, if I may say so, I think the day is too long. I think days are too long. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a real problem with it. How many hours should be locked off? Well, I mean, there's the sleeping hours, and that could be that could be more for for me. But I, in my ideal world, I think there's the waking up. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the sort of morning. I think most people, most reasonable people, have a morning ritual of some description. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it could be uh, could there could be ablutions involved. Could be <laughs> sans ablutions. Um, but more, I have I have a morning ritual. Uh, I think a lot of people do. Uh, immediately following the morning ritual, uh, there's lunch and a beer, and then as soon as you're done with that, um, maybe some sort of uh, entertainment. But then I, I think a baseball game starts, and then you go to bed after that. So it's really like an eight-hour day. Okay. So I guess I guess if I could have a day that was um, two, thir- it was just maybe um, sixteen hours, so eight sleep, eight awake, and then add the you know so and then just make my life like a third longer. Mm. Um, because at a certain point, um, actually around this time of day, there's like a natural fatigue I think that occurs, um, and then beyond that, it's just uh, there's so so much. I, I mean, with the day as long as it is. Something's gonna get screwed up. You're gonna screw up something. You know, if that day's a little bit more compact, though, I feel like it's harder to really f up hard. I wonder if this is something to do with working at home, though. I mean, I, I can understand that. Like, I do have my morning ritual as well. Um, and I, you know, when I go to bed at night, I uh, I put the little French press out on the side and the coffee next to it and I fill the kettle with water ready for the next morning because I'm already looking forward to that morning cup of coffee um, but when you work at home there is infinite ways to waste time and the, you know, I, I feel like today I've done very very little work you know I've done very little that I could recount to people as activities well how much actual work do you think you do during the day if you were i mean not to say that you would be able to do it but if you were if you you know for example were in an office setting where the the opportunities for screwing off were were more limited um how many hours would it be i imagine i do probably about uh between half and two thirds of the amount of work I would do if I was working in an office. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there's there's moments where I just sit and stare out the window because I, I have a balcony and I feed them the birds sunflower seeds. So, oh, what sort, can, of, what sort of birds do you have there? Uh, I think they're called house finches. Oh, okay. 
Um, they're very pretty little red things, uh, red and brown. Um, and I can happily just sit there and watch them twittering away. Yeah. Uh, for half an hour. Yeah. Which is obviously something that would not be allowed in an office. No, you shouldn't do that. Right, right. Unless you were uh, uh, in charge. This is true. Right. Or, or you were a, a um, ornithologist by trade. I guess that's true. But then um, you would also, you would at that point get in trouble when you were illustrating the rest of the time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe frowned upon it. Also, I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know because I'm not one, but I'm pretty sure being an, an ornithologist uh, does not, is not mostly just feeding birds um, <laughs> out, out on your porch. <laughs> what is the earliest acceptable uh, time of day uh, for you to begin drinking a beer? Um, I I tend to live by the twelve o'clock rule. Yeah, yeah. But you know, if it's eleven o'clock, well, it's more or less twelve. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'd say eleven o'clock is definitely about the earliest. I would say that, um, well, I don't know if you notice this, but working from home, one is uh, more prone. I, I mean, I drink, I drink, will have a beer with lunch every day. Um, right. And right. that opens the door to the rest of the day. <laughs> I mean, there's no stopping and there's nothing to stop me. Like a, uh, I've worked, you know, in an office before. I've worked at a, a college and in both cases it's frowned, uh, drinking in one's office is frowned upon. It would seem to be the case, yeah. Yes. I, I, I enjoy when, uh, if if I go out to just do something, groceries or whatever, yeah. and I'm passing a sort of fairly empty bar that has a soccer game on the television, yeah. those beers are very enjoyable. Oh, yes. Because you're, you're, stealing, you're stealing time there. You're stealing an enjoyable moment from, from yourself. Yeah, right. It's really a pronouncement of, of freedom. Yeah. Is what it is. I mean, forget Braveheart, right? <laughs> uh, forget Bra- Braveheart. Uh, As an Englishman, I always try to forget Braveheart. Yeah, smart. But, uh, you know, he's uh, being eviscerated, um, you know, I'm sure by one of one of your ancestors. Yeah. Uh, yelling freedom at the top of his lungs. Um, a better way to do that in a way that um, is uh, much less detrimental to one's health is to, is to drink a beer in the afternoon. It's like yelling freedom. <laughs> Interestingly enough, there's a sports bar in Mexico City called Freedom. Well, there it is. Yeah. Wait, is it actually called Freedom? Yeah, there's a chain of them. There's about four or five of them, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and it, it's not called, like, Liber- Libertad, though? No, it's actually called Freedom in oh. the English language. Could, it, could, it, could an, English, uh, an English-only speaker get, a, get along, or mostly? I mean, I guess you've said that you're mostly English-speaking. I'm mostly English, yeah. Yeah. I'm entirely English, by the way. No, you are, yes. You're entirely from tip, tip to toe. Yes. Essentially look like – I've seen your uh, – like I said, I said your picture. You, um, uh, It's hard to tell you apart from Lord Alfred Tennyson most times or Alfred Lord Tennyson, either one of them. We're from the same county, so there you go. Well, there it is. Yeah. Are you uh, – what are your chances of being the, the um, uh, illustrator laureate? The graphic, <laughs> the designer laureate of of the country is that, is that a position? Um, <laughs> I don't know. No? Uh, for some reason, I just thought of the whale penis drawing. <laughs> um, no, I, I doubt it would happen. I would like to do that for. Uh, it would be. It would be. A, that would be a dream job to be a baseball team's sort of 
bird feeder in residence an occasional illustrator. Yeah, right. Occasional, right. Yeah. Field or yeah, yeah, 50-50 uh, as yeah. far as that's concerned. Yeah. Um, with a supply, uh, never any supply of fermented beverages. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, it's true that the the job descriptions never really seem to match what, what we would most have them be um, because uh, for, for whatever reason, uh, employers shirk at, at the idea of allowing one uh, maximum freedom. Um, mm. But I guess that's sort of what self-employment is for, except it could be um, massively lonely, as you've noted. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, do you experience loneliness, or, or is it just being alone? Um, uh, both. I mean, yeah. being, being, being alone is a... a it's not something I think about, but it's a reality of every day. But yeah, there are times when you feel lonely as well. Well, it's when you thing. feel lonely, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, second per I mean, what person are you using here? When one feels lonely, when you feel when, lonely, when I in both cases, when I feel lonely and when one feels lonely, yeah. Um, the, 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 you, you have to make um, more effort in a way to to provide yourself with a social life. Because there's automatically that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, that area of social life that doesn't exist, which is work colleagues. Right, uh, which is a sort of thing that I mean, um, my experiences are not hugely; they don't exist hugely in in that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the sort of person. It's at least at least you you're aware that other people are there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, uh, and in a way, rightly so, because as we talked, you know, like our, our days aren't the busiest in the world, um, and they're not the most stressful. Um, oh, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Yeah, it wasn't Lon important. Loneliness, loneliness versus being alone. That's the topic. Yeah. I, yeah, there's no one to, no one to bitch and moan to about your job. Because, you know, you do start bitching and moaning, going, oh, I've got to do this drawing today. Yeah. The person who works in an office goes, boo f***ing who, you've got to do a drawing, tough life. I don't know if that's yeah. acceptable uh, work workplace language. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. You should, uh, <laughs> you, may not, you may not be suited for, for the work, for work like that. I've, I've, I've often wondered that as yeah. well. Um, I've not worked in an office now since uh, 2003. Oh my! Nine years. Um, if I was required to go back, oh, good God, that could be tough. So, if you went back to England, then where would you where would, would you live in London? Is that the only place for a self-respecting um, British? No, I, I think top top location would be Brighton, which has the benefits of London without being London. Yeah, well, really. in fact, I've been to Brighton. Hmm. I've I've actually been to a Brighton and Hove Albion match. Have you? I have. How was that? Um, loud, <laughs> loud, and full of uh, uh, full of expletives. That's uh, that sounds that sounds like a soccer match, yeah. Yeah, I was also hit. Um, I was also hit by some um, British ruffians. I was actually literally hit by some British ruffians. So my wife and I were on a street in Brighton, and uh, walking down the street, and, and I'm totally imagining you with a nosegay right now. Wait, I gotta look up what a nosegay is. What is a nosegay? It's like a little, uh, it's like it's a little posy to stop yourself smelling the ruffians. Oh, that's funny. 
Yeah, that's not something we have. No, but there were, yes, there were not, yes. There yes, was he a, could adopt on the streets of Madison. British ruffians walking mm-hmm. the other direction on uh, Brighton, and one of them had a big stick, and as we're walking by, he just uh, cracked me in the back with it. <laughs> yeah, and what do you do at that point? There's nothing, there's nothing, there's no reasonable reaction, because either it's entirely emasculating, or it's um, unreasonably aggressive, because... To get mad at a group of like 14 or 15 year olds who are doing that looks insane. Well, 14 or 15 year old English children are absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what, I mean, so I didn't know what to do at that point. So maybe uh, you sort of uh, make a comment, offhanded comment, um, to show that you have not been entirely emasculated, um, but also to demonstrate to your wife uh, or then girlfriend that uh, you have no. No plans on getting involved with a, uh, in a uh, in fisticuffs with a group of young Britishers. Uh, yeah, that was uh, strange. But um, but I, other than that, I enjoyed Brighton very much. Yes, it's a beautiful place with uh, lots of nice people. Yeah, um, and what a place to get a pie. <laughs> oh man, uh, I think that's the whole country in general. Yeah, well, perhaps it is, but it, they seem to have a, uh, a, a on one of the the sort of high streets there because they have that sort of like. Uh, I don't know if it's like the medieval area, but it's sort of... Uh, the lanes, yeah. The lanes, yeah, yeah. Small streets, yeah. Yeah, right, and uh, there were like two pie shops across the street. I was salivating. Yeah, British, you're good at pies. Um, uh, you know, we, we have a reputation for our uh, cuisine not being the best in the world, but uh, we're good at some things, and pies is pretty much at the top of the list. Well, I would say quite to the contrary. I enjoy, I enjoy most British cuisine. Puddings, puddings of any sort. Pudding's good, yeah. Uh, blood or not. Uh, uh, yeah. I've enjoyed. Uh, I've had a banger and a mash in my day. <laughs> Have you had toad in the hole? Oh, to- uh, does this involve like a gravy or... Uh, no, what it's is like, it? Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. Uh, it's like... Um, I guess it's like you put sort of like this batter mixture in the oven... Um, and it rises, so it's sort of crispy and a bit fluffy in the middle. It's a savoury thing. Um, but if you if you embed sausages in there, it's called toad in the hole. Um, so it's just batter with sausages, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, no, yeah, that sounds good. And so, yeah, it's um, delicious. Yeah. How's the toad in the hole uh, in Mexico City? Uh, I've never had it here. Um, I'm planning to visit uh, maybe tomorrow, actually. There's a, a town that's about um, an hour or so away, maybe two hours, uh, called uh, Real del Monte. And apparently there was lots of Cornish miners came over back in the day. And um, so Cornish pasties are still very popular there. And there's lots of British flags around the town. And uh, it's, I think, I believe it's one of the Puebla's magicos, like Mexico's is assignment for particularly pretty towns. They're called magic towns, basically. Um, so I've been thinking about going there just to have a Cornish pasty. How do you get? Uh, how would you get to that um, magic town? I would take a uh, taxi to the bus station and then take a bus to Pachuca, which is the nearest big town, and then a, a local bus. Oh, yeah. Lo- Localer? Did you use the comparative <laughs> yeah. form of local? Yes. Yeah, one of the few people to do that. <laughs> Try my best. Um, oh, that sounds quite nice then. Yeah, 
And, and do you think that you would be able to find a toad in the hole? I don't. I've not seen any. Uh, the, everything that I've seen about that town just seems to mention the Cornish pasties. So right. It seems to be their big thing. I've been learning a little bit about the Cornish because I've been watching the, um, uh, well, now long over, uh, uh, but previously broadcast uh, HBO series Deadwood. Oh, okay. Uh, and there is, uh, which is uh, very fun to watch, but additionally, uh, there are Cornish people in it because, yeah, as you mentioned, they did a lot of mining, I guess. Mm, yes, tin mining. Tin, okay, yeah. And what, is it, what does this mean to be Cornish generally? Uh, it means you live at that, the, the sticky out bit in the west, bottom <laughs> west of England. Yeah, um, yeah. Also, Craig, Craig Robbins is a professional geographer. It's true. Yeah. I did write this, but I did get a D in my geography A level yeah. school. Um, it's a very beautiful part of the country. Uh, my family and I went on holiday there a lot when I was a child. Um, there's a uh, rugged coastline, lots of smuggling used to go on around there. Um, the center of, if you imagine like a, an elongated triangle, sticking out the edge of Britain. Uh, in the middle of that, there's lots of moors, and that's like Devon, neighbouring county as well. Oh, yeah, moors. Uh, people talk about moors in England. Yeah, that's like uh, Hound of the Baskervilles type area. But I think that was more Devon than Cornwall. Wait, these are sort of like uh, wind, wind-swept, large yeah. wind-swept areas? Yeah, with lots of low-growing shrubs yeah. and stuff. And I suppose they're sand. striking. I wouldn't want to spend... My life in them. No, they're very beautiful to visit. Yeah. In a car in the summer. <laughs> and then all this are good in the winter. Right, but you do have to watch about uh, for um, uh, large red-eyed hounds. As yeah, you know, they, as yeah. You know. but they are roaming the streets of many places. Right, right. I mean, certainly basketball. <laughs> Hitting fey Americans with sticks. <laughs> Uh, now I have this nosegay though, so that's right. Wait, what is a nosegay's purpose? It's to keep it's to keep the smells out. I believe so. I'm just going to look in the dictionary at that. Um, I believe so. It's uh, it's one that, it's a word <laughs> literally not a small bunch of flowers, typically one that is sweet scented. Um, yeah, I I'm not entirely sure, but it seems to me like it would be the sort of thing that might have been around during the Black Death. Oh yeah, right. To keep the uh, the poisonous um, vapors, to keep vapors out of you, out of your nose, your nostrils. Mm. No one wants the vapors. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's right. It's the worst. Oh well, Craig Robinson, what fun, huh? Yeah. What fun? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a, a moment's respite from the um, crushing loneliness of of life. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. Absolutely. That's, yeah. it. That's mostly why yeah. I invented this podcast. We do occasionally talk about baseball, but mostly it, it's uh, to provide respite, brief, uh, however brief, from the crushing loneliness of life. That's uh, yeah. That's a fine note to go into the weekend with. Yeah, and the, and also to avoid uh, to avoid staring directly, uh, if but for a minute, into the shadowy specter of death. Which is something that uh, you know that. that you know, those moments when you stare at that shadowy specter, yeah, they they also make, remind me of how meaningless sport is in the long run. Yeah, you but uh, but don't they remind you how meaningless everything is? Uh, yeah, 
That's right. true. So why but not it, enjoy it? Yeah, it, like it doesn't matter if the Yankees win this the World Series this year because mm-hmm. someday I'm going to be dead and they will win or lose, better or worse. I would actually argue that the sort of enthusiasm, um, especially, for example, um, the way you feel about Gary Neville, uh, as yeah. you've, you've noted earlier, uh, is much – that sort of feeling is much better um, spent uh, – sublimated in sport than it is actually, um, you know, I guess acted upon in any other context. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I don't actually dislike anyone in life right. that much, really. Right, but what about Gary Neville's penis face? <laughs> uh, for a moment there, I forgot what he looked like, and now it's coming back into my head, but yeah. just with a, with a dong. Well, <laughs> well, if you forget what he looks like, try Phil Neville for a second and see if that does anything to you. Yeah, he is, he's... Uh, Doubly bad because he played and the Neville family in general. Like Phil plays for Everton, Liverpool's local rivals. Right. Gary used to play for Manchester. Although Phil used to play for Manchester United as well. Right. Um, big rivals. It's just like the whole family is there just to yeah. irritate me personally. Yeah, you, Craig Robinson. Yeah. And also uh, uh, black American comedian Craig Robinson too. One assumes. Yeah, and uh, the president's brother-in-law. Oh yeah, that's right. A uh, uh, basketball coach at Oregon State, I think. That's great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, of course, I, I lived in Oregon when uh, uh, the first time Obama ran, um, and so that was a subject of much, uh, much interest, at least in that region. At mm. least in that region. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Oregon State's basketball team is doing, and it's really neither here nor there. But uh, listen, um, let's say goodbye to listeners. Uh, have some uh, adult conversation, maybe a beer. Uh, and then uh, we'll go our separate ways. All right, then. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, yeah, that is uh, that is Craig Robinson, the excellent Craig Robinson. Uh, I'm Carson Sestouli, the, the uh, less excellent but not bad, uh, not bad, fair uh, Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio. <laughs>